Today, I want to talk to you about what I'm just calling Clearview 2020. You know, um, from, from time to time, and, and you'll see me do this, we kind of did this at the factory. That was a little way more special, I guess. But from time to time, it's just important that we stop and we just talk a minute. That we stop and we just talk about where we are and where we're going. You know, it's a new year. I, I, I'm, I'm super excited. And I'm not, you know, you think preachers are supposed to say that kind of stuff. But actually, I am. I'm actually very, very much anticipating 2020 in the life of Clearview. Because I, I really do, behind the curtain, things that I get to see that you don't. The Lord is, is shaping us and moving us to be the congregation that he wants us to be. And so today I thought I would take a few minutes. This isn't a sermon. I want you to hear me say that. It's not a sermon. It's just Jason as your pastor talking to you about things you just need to know, things that you need to comprehend, things I see the Lord doing, and those things include you. And so I want to stop and just do that today, and I hope that, you get, hope that you get some things out of this for sure. Before I move into what's coming to us, let me, let me take you uh, back a little bit. You know, one of the things that God did when, when I came here, this, I'm starting on my third year now uh, at Clearview. It's kind of hard to imagine that, uh, but I am. And, and so one of the things that God did when, when he brought me here was before he b- brought me officially here, he began to talk to me about what I was walking into and, and, and I had never seen God do that, you know, to that level. He, he actually gave me a word. And, you know, now, you know, there's, there's these weird people out there that have the word for the year. Are you, if you're one of those, I'm not talking about you, okay? I'm talking about other people, right? But you know these people that always have, like, the word for the year? You know, it's this, this year's all about, you know, green. And, and green, what? Well, like money, you know, whatever. They just have, they have this word and everything's going to be, it's about, you know, remarkable or something or whatever. And, and, and I've never, I appreciate people like that because they have like this target, right? I've never had that. God, God's never given me like a word for the year, a theme. I, I've never been a theme guy, you know, but, but God gave me a word for 2018. And that word was recalibrate. And some of you've heard me say that before. But, but God, before, before, you, before you even knew that I was coming here, when God began to share with me, Jason, you're going to go there, the first year is going to be about recalibration. Now, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with recalibration, it's kind of a dude, a dude word, you know. But when I, when I think of recalibration, I always think of transmissions and gears, you know. And, and, and sometimes if you've got a vehicle, and most of you do, there are times that your vehicle just gets out of sync, timing. And that's why you have a timing belt or a timing chain, right? And, and so you, you, you things can, and, and listen, that, that, that's common. It's common. It, it, it's common in churches, you know, churches are not a whole lot different from people. Churches have life cycles too. If you know, one of the things I love about Clearview is there's many, many, many of you that have been here like 87 years. You know, that was a good joke. That was a way better joke than you laughed at because we've only been around since 1985. You know, but what I love about many of you at Clearview, you've been here a long time and you've seen a lot of seasons at Clearview. And it's very normal for a church to have to have, in business terms, a market correction. 
It's very common. I mean, what makes us think that we're any different? Organizations hit walls. Organizations have to make turns. Organizations at times have to back up and reassess. You know, and so I didn't really know what recalibrate meant, but I knew that 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 little graphic right there kind of sums it up for me that our ideas and our dreams and our visions and all those things, they have to align and they had just gotten disjointed. So that's okay. We made it. We made it through it. You know, we're still here and you suffered through the first year of my preaching and I love you for that. And I do. And, and, And then the strange thing happened. God, God gave me a, another word. Like I thought, well, you know, Lord, is there another word you have for me for 2019? And, and he did. And it was, I mean, this has never happened to me before, but the Lord put on my heart this phrase that came from scripture to, to, to cultivate faithfulness. Let's go to the, to the next one. Yeah. yeah. The, the, and that's, that's the best image I could give you, a, a sprout coming out of the ground. The Lord, and, and let me tell you how, how that came about. It came about through Psalm 37. A, a, a church member, of, don't go to the scripture just yet. A church member of somebody that I really trust sent me a text one day and they said, hey, I've been praying this over you. Well, anytime people say that about me, I want to know what you're praying. Because you could be praying something like what Jesus said to Judas. You know, what, what you do, go do quickly. You know, uh, that was a suicide issue. That wasn't funny. But, but you know, I thought, what are they, if you're praying over me, I want to know what, right? So, so I was reading, and I've read Psalm 37 many times, but, but this is what it said, right? Look at Psalm 37. Um, the Bible says, trust in the Lord and do good. This whole psalm meant a lot to me, but this particular verse kind of levitated off the page. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Have you ever been reading the scriptures and like something just like really just jump at you? Like whatever season you're going through, like whammo, that verse just really kind of hits you right in, in, in the face, right? Well, that phrase, cultivate faithfulness, and God was like, listen, I really want you to, to push hard on, on our people being faithful. And that's why you saw sermon series of, uh, uh, about like knowing your calling and finding your calling. That's why you saw sermon series on the kingdom now and things like that. We're talking a lot about what does it mean for us to, to be faithful. And, and as I continued to pray, I believe that, that God, and, and again, in, in that theme, maybe this is something he's doing for me. And sometimes, sometimes he gives me you know, things just for me that don't always make it up here, and nor should they. Sometimes he's just telling me things. But there's times he, as your pastor, he, he gives me a target for us. And, and I believe with all my heart that that we have a target that, that I've had on my mind for months and months and months, probably three, four, maybe, maybe five, six months. Um, this word, it keeps coming to my heart, and it's, it's the word engage. Uh, in t- 2020, I, I really believe it's time. It's time to engage. As a church, we've, we've, we've gone through recalibration. We've got a new team, a new staff in a lot of ways, a lot of new people. We've got a lot of systems in place we haven't had in a while. We're together, our church, our, listen, our church staff is, is so healthy right now. And listen, you, you, like it or not, your church takes on the personality of the people that lead it. So, so our, our church is healthy, I mean, are, are, are getting healthier and, and, and our staff is healthy and it's time. In fact, I would say it this way, it's time for us to climb. It's time, it's time to climb. It's time to climb because it's time for Clearview as you know, when you go through recalibrations and from, from basically about 2012 till, till you know, in the, from that time, we kind of were doing a little bit of this, you know, it's okay. It happens. 
But that, those days are, are behind us now, and, and it's time to climb. It's time for us to engage and to engage God. In fact, I would, I would, one of the things I wanted to say to you this morning, I, I would say it this way, that what's ahead of us is greater than what's behind us. Do you hear me? What's ahead of us is greater than what's behind us. What, what, do, you, what do you mean by that, Jason? What I, what I mean is, you know, our church in 1985 was started, and we were started out of struggle. I mean, we hit a wall immediately with trying to find a place to call our own, our own dirt. You know, sometimes I do bring it up. It's one of the coolest stories at Clearview of how God had to provide a miracle for this dirt that you're sitting on. Our church didn't start out easy. It wasn't easy. And so we, we're used to hard. And, and what I want to say to you this morning is that, that what's ahead of us at Clearview it's, it's far greater than, than what's behind us. I've had somebody that I've, I've been getting to know a little bit. We've had many long conversations on the, the phone, and, and um, I'm going to spend some more time with him here in, in a few weeks. And uh, his name is Milt Louder, and Dr. Milt Louder. And, and uh, Milt, Milt is a, he's a CEO, founder of, of Synergy Performance Group. He's one of these executive coaches that people, he, he has a PGA Tour players. He, uh, he's uh, the sports psychologist for Clemson. And you're hearing all about football right now. So if you're, if you're in sports world, you're hearing about Clemson all in LSU coming up in a, in a few days. How many of you have uh, Clemson going all the way? Come on, beating ball. Yeah, I know you do. Okay. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. LSU. No sports. Steven Spieler. I know you're there. Okay. No, come on, Judy. No way. You need to go to another church, Judy. It's okay. Um, no, so they're from Louisiana. So, 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 so yeah. So Milt, Milt is um, the sports psychologist to, to Clemson's football team. And he started many, many years ago. And, and, um, one of the things he said about when he, he works with construction companies, he works with uh, law firms, and, and one of the things that, that I heard Milt say was that when, he, when he's coaching up leaders, especially those that are what, the, what he would call high-performance people, that doesn't, not just athletes, that can be people in business, he said, it's my goal, this is the quote, he said, we want to create a culture where our dreams are greater than our memories. We want to create a culture where our dreams are greater than our memories. Man, I, that, that really hit home with me. Because you know, you know what happens in churches? What happens so often in churches is that churches live on nostalgia. They really do. They sing songs. We, we, we sing songs that are 100 years old because they're good songs. They're not bad songs. They're good songs. We, sometimes we sing songs that are 200 years old. But if you listen to the way that churches think, so often it's a, well, boy, back there, it was really good. I mean, back when our country really loved God, back, back in those days when it was all good, and I'm here to tell you, friends, those days are never coming back. In the church world, in the, the churches are notorious for waiting on, listen to me, churches are notorious for waiting on the world to come back to them. And I'm here to tell you, that's never going to happen. Read the last book. It doesn't get better. But we win. Right? We win. But it doesn't get better. 
The whole world's not going to wake up one day in 2021 and go, man, we just got to be in a small group. I mean, really, honey, we've got to walk through like, you know, Matthew. That's not how the lost world thinks. So we're going to have to create something ahead of us. And I will tell you, I see the Lord creating some things. I see some, I see some things happening at Clearview right now that I would call storylines that are developing. Narratives that as your pastor, as I look down on our church, you know, from like, like 10,000 feet, as I look down and I, I, I see some stories developing at Clearview. And, and one of those is, I would say, I would say justice for the broken. We're seeing some of that start to take shape right now. In fact, I would say it like, like this. Like, you know, what we're seeing God developing with mercy in Mercy UK. We're seeing the Lord do some, some unique work. We're going to start sending teams over there. Some of you are going to go to the UK for the first time in 2020. Some of you are going to go to the UK for the first time in 2021. God's going to send you over there. And you're going to minister. But you're also going to minister to churches that are broken because Mercy UK doesn't just deal with young ladies that are broken. They're working with pastors and churches in Scotland and Northern Ireland and Wales and England that are broken. And we, we are one of their first church partners ever like this. So the Lord is, is working toward brokenness and using Clearview to do it. But not just there. The Tennessee Baptist Children's Home, many of you, I can tell by the way you talk, you're, you're interested in figuring out just you know, two, three miles at the most, right up Franklin Road, sits a home where there are young boys and girls that are broken. Just a few weeks ago, we had a breakfast for the house parents. We asked Greg and, and Jeff, hey, what, the, the leaders there, hey, what can we do? What can we do as a church to help the leaders? And they said, you know, help the house parents. So we, have, we had a breakfast just telling them that we love you and we're behind you and we're, we're working right now. We're working on how we can develop that. Kim Margrave, our, our missions director, she, she's been, her family's personally been touched by the children's home. And, and so Kim's working right now to start finding ways that we can coordinate our efforts because many of you in this church are interested in how can we bring justice to the broken that are just a few miles up the road. Room in the Inn. You know, our church has been involved in Room in the Inn, our homeless ministry, for a long time. Many of you. How many of you, by a show of hands, raise your hand if you've served at Room in the Inn in any capacity at all. Look at that. Raise them high. Look at that. That's a narrative, isn't it? That's a story, right? That's a story that, that the Lord is, is using at Clearview. I believe that one of our narratives is justice for the broken. I, I would tell you some, another place that I see God really doing something special is in our student ministry. Right? When you look at our students, let me tell you, when I see what Trevor and Graham are doing over there, man, I, I, I'm, I'm honestly, honestly excited about my boys being in that. And I'll tell you why. If you're a parent and you've got kids maybe about to go into student ministry, maybe you've got kids in elementary school right now, let me tell you what, why, I, why I'm so impressed about with, with Graham and Trevor is because they're looking at more of a healthy, long, holistic approach. And that's not easy. You see, it's really easy. Listen to me, parents. I am a parent. It's really easy to just give kids evangelical Disneyland. 
It's really, it's really easy to have, you know, cool games all the time, and that will attract people. And we do that. I mean, they do that. They're, you know, I mean, look at Trevor. I mean, do you think that, I mean, seriously. They have a ton of fun. But what I love about Graham and Trevor is that they're working hard to help your sons and daughters know why God put them on the planet. So that when they go to college or they go into the workforce, they don't become a statistic. Where the last time I heard it's like 80-something percent of all kids, your kids, you think we're exempt? 80-something percent of kids that grow up in church, once they ship out, they're done. Listen, we're not, we are not going to fail the future generations like that. We are not. We've all got skin in the game. But I want to tell you, it's way harder to grow disciples than it is to give evangelical Disneyland. It's way harder to do that. And Graham and Trevor, listen, their skill set between the two of those guys, man, they're, I mean, they're doing great. And you should be really thankful for Graham and Trevor and all the volunteers that lead over there, teaching Bible studies right now over there. They're over there doing it, man. I'm so proud of them. That's a narrative that the Lord, we're, listen, we're, we're going to work hard. Let me, let me tell you what my goal is. Okay. No, no kidding. I work with my son on this. I work, I'm, I'm, I'll start working with Tucker on this, but I've been working with Cole on this for years already. You see, my goal as a dad is that when, when, when my sons get close to their senior year in high school, and you ask them, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? They're not, they're not just saying, oh, you know, blank, fill in the blank. Why? Well, they make a lot of money. Or, you know, well, I don't know, sounds cool to be a veterinarian. Sounds great to be an attorney. Sounds great to go to the Navy. Sounds great, you know, to fly airplanes for Delta. Why do you want to do that? No, I don't want, I don't want that answer from my sons. I want you to ask me. If you ask my son Cole, what do you want to do when you leave your home? Whatever answer he gives you, I want him to give you that answer based on how he's made. He knows his spiritual gifts. He knows who God made him to be. He knows his personality DNA. He knows who is, what his gift He knows who he is, and he knows who he's not. And he's not arbitrarily picking some career out of the air. But he knows who God made him to be. That's my goal as a dad. That I send my son into this world, my, both of them, knowing why God put them on the planet. And those guys right there, they're doing that for your students. And it's hard and it's slow work, but it's hard work. But I'm telling you, it's the best work. Because you know what I want to see? I want to see our sons and daughters at Clearview. I'm more concerned about who they're going to be when they're 40 than when they're 24. And so we're going to put a lot of pressure on the rudder of the ship, helping our students know who God made them to be. I'm so excited about that. And they're doing great work with that. I'll tell you another area you're going to see in the next year, you're going to see more toward men's ministry, Right? You're going to see more about raising the level of what men do. Listen, fellas, God, in his word, he called us to lead the home. He called us to be the leaders of this world, and we're going to do it. We're going to do it. It's one of the closest passions to my heart 
is that men are men. You know what this world needs? Often you, you'll see us when we baptize a young boy or we baptize a young man, we lay hands on them. You'll often hear me pray and you'll often hear me give them a charge when I talk to them. And I'll tell them, this world needs men. This world needs unapologetic men. Men who will stand up against the tide of culture and say no or yes. This world needs men. And it is time for men to lead. And at Clearview, listen, there's a lot of real men in this church. And we're not going to apologize for that at all, ever. Ever. So in, in men's ministry world, we got some things we're working on right now to start really start developing our men. I'll tell you another area I see a narrative forming at Clearview is we're going to take neighborhood ministry to a whole new level. Brian Hatcher, man, I don't know how he did it. He's not this smart normally, but he came up with a really cool idea. Okay? <laughs> Came up with a really cool idea. Uh, I don't even know what, if we've officially given it a title yet. But it's kind of like TED Talks in the neighborhoods. We're going to start with one coming up soon with digital. So imagine, and this may morph, so don't hold us to this, but it's the, the, the way we're cooking it up right now is that, that you know, we've got a great neighborhood model for ministry with BKC. BKC's been a, a staple at Clearview, Backyard Kids Club. So Clearview, is, it's in our DNA to go into the neighborhoods. We're going to take that same DNA, and we're going to transplant that into some adult ministry. And here's how that's going to look. We're, gonna, we're, we're sending out a few test pilot teams. So imagine you're on your street and you're one of the, the, the test pilot teams and you're going to have parent talks over like a four-week series on digital. And, and, and literally, your goal is just getting people on your street into your house talking about, hey, what are y'all doing with the smartphone and your kids? You think that's not relevant? I'll go. I'll go right now. How are you handling Snapchat? How are you handling Twitter? How are you handling Instagram? How are you handling your kid texting 972 times a minute or an hour, right? How, do you, how are you handling that? So we're going to look at parent talks, and I think, it's, I think and the goal of that is kind of a seeker orientation, that, that we start having Jesus conversations with our neighbors. It's, it's, it, I'm, I'm super excited about that. I see the Lord at work. What's ahead of us is far greater than what's behind us. I'll tell you one of the biggest trends, and you don't, you don't really get to see this as much, but I do. One of the greatest things that I see God starting to, to change and, and, and we're gaining traction at Clearview. I don't know the exact number. I'd have to ask John, but I, I know it's roughly right at 200. 200 people at Clearview, roughly, have, have gone through place. Place is our, is our workshop where you discover your spiritual gifts and why God put you on the planet and your life story and your DNA. And you start looking at, hey, why did God put me here? See, we believe at Clearview that God just didn't birth you, you know, just because. That you were put on this earth for a reason. And let me tell you why that number right there, let me tell you why that excites me beyond anything. I, I can't even put words on it. Because you know what that tells me? That some of you are at different places on the place journey. John Garner can work with you on that. But it tells me that roughly 200 people at Clearview have said, I want to know what's going to get me out of bed every day. I want to know why God put me here. I want to know what my mission is in this world. That's 200 people that are starting toward the launching ramp of being a missionary to the world. 
And I'm telling you, man, I'm excited about it. So I, I see that what's ahead of us is greater than what's behind us. I'll tell you another area that I, I would want to say to you going into 2020, shifting gears for a minute. This is something that I, I really want you to wrap your mind around. And, and it, it really isn't either. It's an either or. It's not a both and. It's not a both and. And I'd say it like this, that we, we can exist as a church or we can build a movement. And I want that to sit on you for a minute. We can exist as a church or we can build a movement. Say, so what, 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 what do you mean by that, Jason? Well, here, here's, here's the reality. The reality is that most churches, by statistic, most churches in America are in decline. Listen, if you, if you don't believe me, Google it. Google American churches in decline. It, it's depressing. Like, get your favorite soda and comfort food because you're going to need it when you read those reports. And I read them all the time. The American church as a general whole is failing. But Clearview's not going to participate in that. I got one. We're not going to participate in the declining movement of American churches. We are not. We are not. No, we're, we're going to see the Lord work here, and we already are seeing it. And we're not just interested in existing as a church. We're not. I'm not. You know, listen, from the day that I came to Christ, you know what I've wanted most? Not to waste my life. Not to waste my life. I know that I can't hang on to material possessions. Moth and rust destroy them. Thieves break in and steal. I'm not putting my hope there. But I will tell you, God, I don't know how many days he's given me on this planet, but whatever days between December 9th, 1972, and whatever that X date is out there. By the way, one time I Googled up this thing called the death clock. Don't do it. You put in like your BMI. You know, your weight, your height, and all that stuff, and then it tells you, like, the day you're going to die, it's the worst thing ever. Okay? Don't ever do it. Some of you are already Googling it right now. Okay? I mean, I, I literally hit panic. I was like, oh, my gosh, i got to get going. But I'm telling you, that day's coming, man. That day's coming. And from that day until this, I am not going to waste my life. I'm going to do everything I can to move the kingdom of God forward, and I want you to do the same. So I, I'm in no way, I didn't come here to be your pastor just so we could have a great church. Because we've got a great church. We, we already had that. I don't want to do that. I want to I ask you a question this morning. I want to phrase it this way. And I really want you to ponder it for a second. What do you think Christianity is supposed to do to a person? I want, I want you to think about that for a minute. What do you think Christianity is supposed to do to a person. Because how you answer that question, it will really affect how you live. You see, the reason, the reason theology matters so much is because, listen to me now, what you believe, what you believe drives how you act. Do you hear me? What you believe fuels how you act. I'll give you a very simple illustration. Let's take somebody with an eating disorder. 
They could weigh 70 pounds, but if they believe they're fat, it doesn't matter how skinny they are, right? The Bible says in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is, right? As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So what do you think Christianity is supposed to actually do to a person? If God, if God for you is just about salvation, then really what he's going to be is your insurance broker right? If it's just about salvation, he's pretty much your insurance broker. But he's not interested in being your insurance broker. If God for you is about morality and being on the right side of morality, then God's going to be for you a big judge. You know, a judge. He's going to hammer people. That's what he's there for. Yeah, I'm on the right side of morality if God's just that for you. Maybe, maybe for you, if you believe Christianity is, if you come into Christ is to come to acceptance just that God would accept you, then you're going to probably end up trending toward God being your BFF. And God's not interested in being your BFF. I mean, he does love you. Don't, man, yeah, hands down. And he does accept you. And he does want you to live a, a moral life. And he does want to keep you out of hell so that you can experience life with him in heaven. That's all true. But I'm saying to you, if Christianity is about insurance from hell or being on the right side of morality or just about kind of being in a good, clean, moral group of people, then I'm saying to you, we're missing the boat. Because when I read the book of Acts, those people changed the world. Has it, ever, has it dawned on you? We, we just spent like three, four months in the book of Acts. Did it, did it ever dawn on you that here we are 2,000 years later, we're still talking about people and we don't even know their name? I mean, like those people changed the world. The people in the book of Acts are the very reason you're sitting here today. They did, they, they did something amazing. And, it, and, it, and, it, and it, it shapes me. And it makes me think, you know, what? In fact, one of, our, one of our church members came up to me about halfway through the Kingdom Now series. And she said, what, what, what did they have that we don't? I'm like, yeah, I know. I mean, it's a great question. Governments feared churches in those days. Churches shaped communities in those days. You didn't see Barna putting out trends of decline in the book of Acts. You didn't see that at all. You see, I think we were built for more. We were built for more. Ecclesiastes says it this way. Ecclesiastes says that God has set eternity in their heart. You know, that word set, it means molded. It means he created a space for longing for him. That, that reason that you long for justice, that reason that you long for more, that reason that, that you want, like when you, when you know, we raised almost $50,000 to go toward brokenness with Mercy UK. The reason that sets your heart on fire, the reason that, that you get excited about eternal things is because you were meant to. You were meant to. You were built for that. So that's why I say we're not content with existing because we weren't, we weren't built for it at all. We were built for more. I've been thinking about, about this verse in the last two weeks. It's, it's been on my mind a lot. Matthew 7, Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. But the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. 
Narrow gate, broad gate. Many find the broad way, few find the narrow way. You know, the closer that Jesus got to the cross, you know what happened to the crowds? Got smaller. You see, at Clearview, it's not going to be easy for us. Because nothing worth having is easy. Nothing worth having is easy. And, and while, that, while Jesus was saying that to individuals, I don't want to take this out of context. While Jesus, was, while Jesus was saying that to individuals, let me tell you, it's no different for churches. Churches are, are looking all over you know, for the next big thing. And I'm saying that, that f- Jesus said, few find it. Few find it. The narrow way, the way of calling out discipleships, the way of, of calling out sin, the way of holding a standard in pop culture that's declining. Those things are harder. They're, they're harder for churches. The message of the cross doesn't attract people necessarily. Forgiveness does. And we'll preach that. But I'm telling you, that it's easy for us to go the broad way, but we're not. We're not going to do it. You know, the more I've thought about who we have at Clearview, that we, we can do more than just exist as a church. I want to tell you, the more I think about the talent of this church, I mean, I don't know if you guys ever stop to think about it, but when you consider the talent in this church and what God has poised us to do, the, the, the financial wealth in our church, the wealth of intelligence in our church, the wealth of, of people's talents and gifts. And I mean, it is staggering what we have at Clearview. It is truly staggering who we can be and who we are and what we're going to be. So th- that narrow way makes a lot more sense to me. You, many of you probably weren't here for it. And it, it may have even slipped your mind. But I will tell you, it was a haunting, haunting moment for me as your pastor. In the first few months, the first 12 weeks when I was here, I had Dr. John Bassanio. um, that's, That's one of the last photos of him. He's in heaven now. In fact, he went to heaven about two months after that. In fact, when Dr. Bassanio spoke in this church. It was the last time he ever spoke in a Southern Baptist church. He was the pastor of First Baptist Church of Houston. He was one of America's first mega church pastors when they didn't even know what to call those people back then. 20-something thousand people in like the 70s and 80s. I mean, that man right there, so I don't know, for all of you students, think of LeBron times 10 for preachers. We, that's the guy we wanted to be. And he was sitting on this stage and, and we were having this big worship, and, and we were, he was talking about you know, his ministry and his life and his career, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to dismiss the crowd. And Dr. Bassanio, his son, Tim's one of my best friends in the world, and, 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 and uh, he, Dr. Bassanio's on a walker. He's got a little tennis ball, so it'll scoot across the floor you know, and everything. And, and, and I'm sitting here, and I'm literally going to dismiss the crowd, and Dr. Bassanio's sitting right over there, and he says, hold on a minute. And I was like, oh, no. Because he was starting to slip a little bit, you know. Tim told me, hey, if he takes a ride on the stage, just go with it, you know. 
But he said he has a way to flip a switch, Jason, and he, he, and he did. It's, it was amazing how clear he could be. And I thought, what's he going to say? And he gets up here and he grabs the microphone. And when John Bassanio wants the microphone, you give it to him. That's what you do, right? And this is what he said. He said, in 1970-whatever, when I became the pastor of First Baptist Houston, there were, there were like, eight, I'm going to use a, a wrong number, there were like eight mega churches in the nation. He said, you're going to be the next one. Now, I want to say something to you. I, I have no clue what that means. And it's, it, I, if we have 15,000 people or if we have 5,000 people or if we have 1,000 people, I don't know what that means. But all I know is that was a prophetic word that a man from God who's traveled the world, he didn't go around saying that if you knew him. He didn't say that. But Dr. Sanyo, he said, he said this. He said, you've got the location, you've got the building, you've got the money, you've got the people. And then he said, you've got everything you need. Don't blow it. That's what he said. You've got everything you need. You got, that's a picture of him back in the 80s. He said that to us, you guys. He didn't say that to everybody else. He said that to us. We've got everything we need. Don't blow it. We, you know, we're not going to blow it. We're not going to blow it. We're going to be a thriving church that God is using in this community, and it's going to take sacrifice. And the question that keeps coming to me, though, as we look into our future, is a question that I would say this way. What are we going to be known for? You know, when you look at churches all across the American landscape, let, let me ask you a question. Watch this. I, I thought of this little litmus test in my mind. If I said to you Verizon or AT&T, you would say, oh, yeah, mobile phones, right? You, you, you would instantly, no. If I said to you Century 21, Remax, Benchmark, Keller Williams, Town and Country, you would say immediately, what? Oh, yeah, real estate. If I, if I said to you Publix, Kroger, you'd say groceries, Right? But if I said to you, churches, man, what, what are we known for? If I, I want you to think back for a minute. I want you to think about, about every church you've ever attended. I, I, would be, I would be shocked. There's probably a few of you that can do this, but the vast majority of you can't. To say, oh, yeah, we were known for... Mm, I mean, we, we put an end to that. Or, man, we, we started like, I mean, this thing is still going 30 years later. Very, 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 very few churches are known for anything. Very few churches are known for anything. We've got to know what we're going to be. You know what, you know what I want, you guys? We'll know we're doing it. When people in Brentwood and people in Franklin and people in Nashville and people in Spring Hill and people in Thompson Station and people in College Grove, people in Greater Nashville, we'll know we're doing it. When people say, Clearview, oh, yeah, that's the, don't go there. Don't go there unless you really want to know why God put you on the planet. Don't go there unless you want to have significance. Don't go there unless you really want to get up every day and know why you're here. Don't go there unless you want to like, literally know exactly what you're called to do all your days of your life. That's where we're going. And that's a big, more abstract thing, but I'm going to tell you it is timeless because it works. And here's why it works. It works because if you look at the New Testament, 
there's something interestingly absent from it. And what's absent from it is that Jesus didn't give us like the perfect program. Have you ever noticed that? Like Jesus didn't give us like this algorithm that says A plus B always equals C when it comes to how you do church. Because if he had done that, we would have all been legalists more so than we already are, and we would all just do it lock and step. Jesus opted out when it came to how we're supposed to execute perfect ministry. You know why? Because you can't program the movement of the Holy Spirit. You just can't do it. You're not designed to do it. And so the, the last thing I want to say to you this morning is that the reason that you finding your own purpose, and we, listen, you think I talk about that a lot now? I mean, you haven't heard me talk about it yet. If I stay your pastor for 30 years, I'm going to talk about it all the time. Because I believe with all my heart that it is the answer. That God did not put you on this planet just to walk around, go to elementary school, learn, then learn algebra, whatever that's worth, you know. I hated math. This is a math joke. Come on, that was better than you're letting on. You know, get a job, grow old, lose hair, get a disease, and die. I mean, really, count me out if that's what I'm here for. I mean, that's pretty mean. I mean, seriously, that's pretty mean. If we're just birthed, you know, to have to get old and hurt. I'm not into that. I mean, that's going to happen to me, but that's not why I'm here. No, I'm here for a reason. And so I know that that God is called, and let me tell you something, to all you that haven't discovered why God's put you here yet, I want to say something to you. You want to talk about exhilarating? You want to talk about, you want to talk about mind-blowing? When you discover why God put you here, and I did, when I discovered that why God put me on the planet, when you step into that groove, man, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. It, it. it is the most intoxicating thing you could ever imagine to live out the reason that God put you here. And so therefore, I would say to you, your legacy, your family tree, your legacy, it will be determined. Now listen to me, friends. Seriously, we're about to wrap up here. Your legacy will be determined by your willingness to step into your calling. Right now, there are people on your family tree that aren't there yet. Two, three, four generations down, they're... they're they need you. Your great-grandkids, your, your great-great-great-nephews and nieces, they need you to stay married. There's people on your family tree that aren't born yet that you're going to affect. They need you to stay in the fight. They need you to start pushing further into Christ. You're, you, we don't think in those terms, but I'm telling you, you are shaping the legacy of your family today. Today, students, you're affecting the legacy of your family today. Today, not, not later. And I'm saying to you, your legacy, how you're remembered, one day they're going to lay you out in front of a big group of people. You're going to be in a coffin or an urn, depending on which one you want to spend money for. You're, they're going to lay you out in front of a bunch of people, and they're going to say stuff about you. And you know what they're going to say about you? Whatever you're doing right now, whatever you're doing right now, that's what they're going to say about you. 
Your legacy is going to fall on that. And it's a harder path. So that's why we pursue purpose at Clearview. And it is harder. It is harder, but I will tell you something. Once it gains traction, it is unstoppable. Because it's not program-driven. And it's not dependent on the next gimmick to grow a church. You know, Jesus said something that really fascinates me. I mean, you got to think about the gravity of this statement. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You. 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 You're the light of the world. Listen to me, Christian. God's not calling you. He is not calling you to reach the whole world. But he is calling you to reach yours. Your world. He is calling you to find your mission. He is calling you to discover his heartbeat for your life. You know why? Because you're the light of the world. Just like John the Baptist, we are the forerunners. To tell a broken world that your sins can be forgiven and there is a God that loves you and he has a name and his name is Jesus. And when people discover the light that God has put inside them, communities are never going to be the same. And that's going to be us at Clearview.